Welcome back, everyone. How's everyone doing? <laughs> yeah, I, for those who may have missed it, my name's Heather Fricko, and I'll be sitting in for Sakula today, and she should be back next week um, after her August break, so it'll be good for you all to have her back. Um, so I was reflecting on what to talk about today and um it just <laughs> it's kind of funny i was um actually i have a lot going on in my life just as many of you do and um including a recent um diagnosis of stage four pancreatic cancer of my dad and i was just like i don't know if i can do this today <laughs> Maybe Matthew can sit in for me sitting in and and then um I was just like if you can't talk about the Dhamma in times like this, <laughs> when would you ever be able to talk about the Dhamma? Um and it's just this idea of and that's an idea, it's it's a truth is that none of us are special, right? It's I'm not special, you're not special. I don't have special problems that that you may not have or run into or, or be familiar with. And, um, and I was also reflecting on, I'm in this program called the Dharmacharya program with um, Venerable Panyawati, whom some of you may know. And she just really encourages us to walk out the Dhamma as she talks about it in that way. And that just means living the Dhamma, being the Dhamma instead of, studying the Dhamma <laughs> instead of even practicing the Dhamma. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, it's to kind of just this way of being in the world and the way of being in relationship to others in relationship to our circumstances and um, not an intellectual reflection of Dhamma, but really an embodied way of being in the world. And uh, she was talking about how it seems like this idea of liberation or this idea of nibbana or chilling, right? To chill or to cool. It's kind of the literal translation of nibbana is not necessarily walking away from everything. I think it's often talked about as I'm going to walk away and not participate in worldly things. I'm going to not be politically active. I'm not going to be, you know, active in social justice issues. Um, it's a separation from when really, at least in, in my life, it's more of less reactivity, right? It's like, I'm not bumping up into things the way I used to, at least there's effort <laughs> in doing that, right? It's not perfect. It's not by any means, um, not basically living and breathing the Dhamma in every moment of my life and in every cell of my body, but that's the intention that I have. And, um, and so I was just thought I would talk about that, right. And how can I, and how can we be in the world in a more meaningful way, right. Which a lot of times is not reacting and not, um, getting all kerfuffled or like um, anxious, though sometimes that's difficult not to do in these times, right? And responding to, th to things and responding to conditions and people rather than reacting. 
And, uh, you know, even with all of these kind of evolution in our understanding of COVID-19, um, all of the things going on in the world, this takes and sets us up in a way to live this Dhamma. Like we are in constant, this world is in constant flux. We have trained for this, right? Um, and yet it's still difficult for me. Well, to speak from my own experience, maybe y'all are living your bliss and that's awesome, but it's, it can be difficult, right? And so I think it's important to, to reflect on the toolkits that we have and learn to embody those toolkits rather than reflect on them intellectually, though that can be a good start, right? Reflect not, you know, but really cultivating the soil. Um, and for me, that's always coming back to the refuges. You know, we chant them before most meetings at Friends of the Dhamma. I chant them before I sit every time. I'm sure other folks have different relationships with the refuges, but um, it's just so important. And it's important to also understand, at least for me, it feels important, I should say. It's not necessarily important. But to understand kama and understand the causes and conditions that have led to my kama in this life and other folks' kama in this life and from where they may be acting from. And to recognize <clears throat> in myself too where the ego comes in and gets in the way, right? Where I feel like I have an opinion that's more important than someone else or equal to or less than, right? Um, you know, even leading Sunday Sila, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know if I qualified to do this. Um, but that's unhelpful conceit, right? It is unhelpful, doesn't make a difference. Um, and, you know, I just hope that something I say um, lands with one of you just even if it's a phrase or whatever. Um, I hope that happens. If it doesn't, you'll find something else in your day that will resonate. But um, just understanding that I could be the most skillful practitioner in the world. You all could be the most skillful practitioners in the world. We could be the best farmers in the world. Um, but if the causes and conditions of rain don't happen if the causes and conditions of sun don't happen or they happen too much, <laughs> right? We're not going to have a bountiful harvest, right? So it's also important to recognize that, I think. And I've also been reflecting on that in, you know, this recent kind of diagnosis in my family and folks' response to it. You know, not everybody has the comma to respond in the way that is perhaps the most, what I view as perhaps the most skillful, right? Um, and so I have to be careful of my expectations of myself and others, right? And we can apply this to everything in the world right now that's going on. We can apply it to COVID-19 and response and all of that stuff. We can think about Afghanistan. We can think about a billion other things where Egos have gotten in the way, perhaps, to some degree. And um, 
And we also see this in beautiful ways. We see this in all of the mutual aid of healing communities. We saw this in our own community with the response to Sarah coming down with COVID-19 and the beautiful response of the community to offer care and support, right? And we see the ripple effect of that. I think not only in our community, but maybe there's a there's a response in you that wants to offer that to someone else, perhaps in a different community. And these things are beautiful. And there's also some problematic things too, right? I mean, um, I can see it in my dogs that want attention right now outside the door, right? There is this like skillful desire <laughs> um, that arises, right? To connect, whether it's my dog at the door wanting to come in or if it's me, you know, wanting to connect with someone else or some other kind of circumstance. But perhaps like if my dog were to come in, he would be licking my face and it would be disruptive, right? So this wholesome desire, but not a most skillful response. Um, and to recognize that and to know that in ourselves and in our communities too, I think. Um, yeah, and I think it's important I was going to talk about the refuges a little bit to lean into these, right? The Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. We've, many of us have studied these many different times, right? The Buddha kind of letting us know that this is a possibility. This liberation is a possibility. And when I talk about liberation, I not only think about liberation for myself, but liberation for others, liberation for my communities, right? Liberation for the world. Um, and it is possible, right? We can, we can change things. We can lean in to the possibility of liberation. And then the Dhamma, right? So it's like, if we incline the ear to hear the Dhamma, to reflect on the teachings, to accept the teachings, and to lay our reflection of those teachings over our perceptions, over our interactions in the day, over just everything about how I operate in this world, right? What belongs and what doesn't belong, right? Discerning what is appropriate and what's not appropriate. Allowing, you know, especially for me lately, it's been allowing compassion and compassion, I always like to think of compassion as suffering along with and wanting that suffering to end, right? It's not getting into the hole with somebody that's suffering and then you're both stuck in the hole, right? It's not this attached compassion because that's really not compassion, right? That's more like sympathy. I won't get into semantics, but it's this compassion that's opening up the heart, opening up in the heart in a way that kind of uh, triggers an action. And sometimes that action is not doing anything, right? It's just being with, and that's actually doing something, but being with and, and allowing things to settle. And perhaps that action is bringing someone food, right? It uh, can all come out in different ways. <laughs> 
but also so reflecting on what that looks like for me right how the dhamma is reflected in my own life and how I can respond from a place where my heart is seated in the Dhamma and my body is seated in the Dhamma. And then also at the same time, reflecting on my own privilege too, right? How is the Dhamma overlaid in my life because of the causes and conditions that I have in this world? How might that be different for someone else, right? How might that be accessed in a different way or not be not being able to be accessible for some and also having compassion for that and then that to me brings in this sangha element but perhaps in a different way i mean i don't know i i just think about you know my reflections and how i how, how i live the dhamma and sangha to me is not only the Sangha of fellow practitioners, but all of my community, right? So how can I be of benefit and how can they be of benefit in all sorts of ways? How can I reflect on interdependence, um, finding common ground and being of service, right? walking this Dhamma out for the benefit of myself and others. And where does my own liberation meet the collective liberation? And vice versa, right? If there's a liberation in my community, how is that impacting me? Just the sheer fact that this community especially has such close contact with the monastics it feels like such a beautiful gift, right? It is just like this uh, infusion of wisdom that I can access, you can access in certain different ways, right? And it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, reflecting a bit on that. And in this kind of reflecting back on the refuges, thinking about how I walk out this Dhamma in this life. How does my practice impact others? How does others practice impact me? Like today, this little Sangha that we have here, like we're co-creating this container for practice, right? We're co-creating this container for meditating and sitting together. We're not alone. We are all contributing to each other's foundation. And um, just because I'm the one talking doesn't mean that certain things are resonating or not resonating with you. That may spark something, right? Whether there's agreement or not, it perhaps, perhaps is sparking a different kind of reflection in you that may carry something forward or it may not, right? Um, So yeah, what do I pick up from the teachings, from community, from the example of the Buddha? This could be information, this could be energy from others, this could be causes and conditions in the world. What do I pick up? How do I set it down? When do I set it down? Right? 
Um, and then kind of my sort of call for action today I was kind of writing this out, writing out some ideas to talk about. And I was just like, this feels like a call to action to just really embody the Dhamma. Intellectual exploration is important. Reading the suttas is important. Studying formal, formal uh, meditation practice, walking, sitting, lying down, all super important. And what happens when you walk away from the cushion, right? Um, how can we each impact this world from a place of heartfelt Dhamma reflection and action? Um, yeah, how do we embody it? Um, one of my teachers, again, Venerable Panyawati, also, she kind of talks about, like, what is this practice thing that we say? We all say, my practice, I'm practicing this thing. And she's like, football players, they go out and play games. Yeah, they do some practice, but they go out and play games. So this practice, what is this doing? What is this being, right? And of course, I know we talk about the practice as doing, but also just thinking about if we were to just think about, okay, like how, how did my, how did my game go today? Right. If I'm a football player, how did that play work? How did it not work? How did the Dhamma work today? How did it not work? Where could I improve? Where, where was their delusion? Where was their greed? Where was their ill will or hatred? Right. And it's this going out and walking out the Dhamma reminds me of Ajahn Jeff in one of his talks, one of his many, many talks, talks about, um, I believe his mom gave him a cookbook or something and it was about eggs, but he was basically like, you have to crack the eggs open. You can't just like study the egg <laughs> as a whole egg. You crack it open, you whisk it, you kind of, you know, put it in the oven for X amount of minutes, maybe boil it, you know, work with it. So it's working with these teachings, laying them on top of our lives, laying them, like infusing them into our lives and walking it out. Um, making our lives, my life, less transactional and more heartfelt right? with every interaction, picking up food, the person that's handing you, how are you today? Every interaction and meeting it, how are you today? important it feels important to me okay less trans less transactional more heartfelt um and we can talk about the struggles but also really reflecting on joy as well even just asking someone how they're doing asking a houseless person that you pass how are you doing This can help create joy in others and ourselves, right? Um, and it seems like joy isn't talked about enough um, in Dhamma circles. There's many of the Dhamma circles that I'm in. It's like, this joy is what keeps me going. 
It's there's zeal, there's energy to it. Um, and reflecting on our good deeds. You know, the monastics in our tradition often talk about this, but reflecting on those. How did it feel in the beginning, middle, and end? Right? From intention to impact, how did those actions feel? Um, so yeah, just my encouragement is to reflect on how you're walking out the Dhamma. And yeah, just like I said in the beginning, middle, and end, just like the Buddha said actually, right? <laughs> From the intention to do so in the middle, knowing that if you're messing up in that middle, it's totally fine to stop, right? If you're starting to have a conversation with someone and you say something, you're like, oh, Actually, I can just stop. I don't have to keep <laughs> that going if it's unskillful. If I'm, oh yeah, no, this is, I'm reflecting and this isn't going well. I'm going to stop. Don't need to go forward. And then afterwards, how does it feel? What do you sense the impact being? 